hear your word to be blessed by your word we thank you we bless you we praise you we lift you up jesus you are the king of kings you're the lord of lords you are lord god almighty maker and creator of all things we honor you we love you we trust you lord and we thank you for gathering us together here to hear what you have to say and we thank you for that lord we open our ears to hear our hearts to receive and we bless you in jesus name amen and praise god amen amen and amen so today we're going to talk about the simple art of obedience amen the simple art of obedience i didn't know what else to call it it's not really an art it's an act but you know whatever i thought art sounds really artsy so (laughs) so whatever but uh it's taken from john 2 5 and uh i was thinking about this and I, i think about how when you need a miracle or you need an answer to prayer like your heart is really set on it uh, you're desperate for it Um, it's the simple acts of obedience that will get you your miracle so it's simple acts of obedience that produce miracles and you see it all throughout the bible and i know whenever we think the word miracle we think oh man i'm gonna have to really do something spectacular or something out of the ordinary but if you look throughout the word it was the simple acts of obedience that god was attached to and then he produced the desired result a desired result so whether it was a miracle whether it was a healing whether it was a financial breakthrough whether it was continual miracle remember the the uh woman that had the uh cruise of oil in the barrel of meal that stuff multiplied over a long period of time it was like every day she got up it was back full again and so it's simple acts of obedience that bring these things and i think it's that's wonderful to know i like that because that lets me know i can be me well let's <laughs> put it this way me improving and working on it yeah every day okay so that's that's the me i'm talking about attentive to god doing what not just you know kicking you know fluffing off and trying to see how much you can get god to give you with little effort but i think just having your heart inclined toward god and desiring to be more like christ and do the right thing and and bless god and bless people and help people i mean that that stuff is is that'll always get you a miracle and so it's it's that it's just simple things just the simple things and being simply obedient that'll do it so turn to john uh chapter two and we'll start in verse one and we'll see the beginning of miracles in jesus ministry he's an exciting person to be around and just think he lives in you so you should be excited all the time you should be in anticipation of good things happening uh, in anticipation of god's intervention to do great things to do exceeding and abundantly beyond all we can ask or think so the fact that jesus was invited to this wedding means that something extraordinary could possibly happen it says on the third day a wedding took place at cana in galilee jesus's mother was there and jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding 
When the wine was gone, his mother said to him, they have no more wine. So he's a guest at the wedding. And now think about this. You and I have been to many weddings. If somebody came to you and told you all the liquor was gone, what would you do? Huh? Like, would you do what Jesus did? He said, well, what are you asking me for? <laughs> he said, my time has not come. Right. He said, I'm going to have my own wedding party one day, but this ain't it. All right. There's somebody, somebody else's bill to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is interesting. You'll see many Bible scholars, people are a whole lot more knowledgeable in, in some things than, than myself. But God will give you an understanding by the Holy Spirit. Now this is kind of interesting because he tells Mary, he says, uh, woman, what, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet, yet come. That's the, the inner, uh, NIV interpretation. Um, I think the King James says, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour is not yet come. So Jesus was anticipating or he had a sense about his own anointing and about his own power and about uh, a timetable for himself to, to do things, you know, to do his ministry. Now, now remember, when we get to the end of this little story, it was says this was the beginning of miracles. Cause so Jesus had never done a miracle before this time. Let me take you to that because you'll see it. Uh, verse 11. What Jesus did here in Cana Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory in his sight. But the King James says this beginning of miracles. So everybody has a beginning time when you begin your ministry, when God begins to anoint you, when he begins it. And it involves a number of things. Now Jesus had already announced that he was anointed in Luke chapter 4. It says he was led up after he was baptized in the water by John. The Holy Spirit came and ascended on him like a dove. And the heavens opened up. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. After that, he was driven up into the wilderness and fasted 40 days to be tempted of the devil. And he came back full of the Holy Spirit and power. So many people interpret him being baptized in waters, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now you and I have had both of them. We know they ain't the same thing, right? Two separate. But the father was pleased that, and Jesus said, I do this to fulfill all righteousness. So he didn't want to, as a, as a man, he could not skip any of the revelations of God and what they signified and what was common in that day for people to do. So he didn't skip anything that, that signified his uh, uh, commitment to God the Father, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so forth and so on. So he did everything to fulfill all righteousness. After he was tempted for 40 days without eating by the enemy and he overcame every temptation, the Bible says he returned full of the Holy Ghost and power. He had none of that before he went into the wilderness. 
And we can assume all we want to. See, many times it's the problem with the church. We go and get one thing and we assume we got it all. But you have to continue to follow God so that he can empower you properly to do the work that he's called us to do. And so Jesus has to do, we have to do the same thing that he did, folks. We can't skip any of these. You know, a lot of people go get baptized and say they they got everything that God's got for them. And some of them haven't even confessed Christ and are saved. And so these empowerments come upon us through obedience to God. And Jesus obeyed everything. But until this time, he had never done a miracle yet got me so this looks like the first time he ministered after Luke chapter 4 where he went up to the wilderness came back remember he read in the Bible the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears so he was just anointed when he came back uh, from from uh, fasting for 40 days he announced it in the church and here he lands over in John chapter 2 getting ready to do his first miracle what does he say when his mother approaches him he said I don't have anything to do with this my hours not yet come then Mary does something unusual well I guess if you're a good mom this isn't unusual for you <laughs> She goes and sets it up for him to obey her. Oh, Ma, I don't feel like shoveling the snow again. And Ma goes and gets the shovel and puts it right by the front door. This is one of them situations where you know where the mother knows what her child is supposed to be doing. She still is Mama mother can know sometimes before the kids know that's for all you moms who keep telling your kids to do this and do that stay away from this person i told you you should go study that because that's where your gift is and the kid disobeys and they wind up doing it anyway mothers know things that their children do not that's why you're the mom and they're the kid and so mary knows something that jesus does not know it's kind of interesting remember the time Jesus got separated from them when he was 12 years old and they thought he was with the crowd they were in a caravan and the parents lost two days looking for him and they went back he was in the temple talking with the the teachers and he said something to them I thought what we saw he said didn't you know that I wouldn't would be about my father's business in other words why didn't you pray and ask the father where I was? He'd have told you I was down here doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I think that taught Mary a valuable lesson. She said, uh-huh, he's going to try to get out from under me, but I'm going to pray every time I have to do something. I'll stick your daddy on you. Joseph was his earthly father, but Jesus was the son of so she always sticked his daddy on him so that gave her an opportunity to know in advance what he was supposed to be doing you got me she was privy to the the fact that he would die when she he was dedicated the temple she knew exactly that she was going to lose her son to martyrdom and all this kind of stuff mothers know if they'll tap into god you can find these things out so here's the situation where a mama knows something the boy don't know amen and so he says here 
uh, he said, verse 4, what, why do you involve me, Jesus? My hour's not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. In other words, he going to do what I asked him to do. Amen? Because she knows in her heart that this is his time. Mary was not so interested in them people drinking all night. Huh? You know, a lot of preachers say, I can't understand why they didn't run out of cake or chicken wings or something like well they ran out of wine <laughs> for a reason amen so we'll talk about the reason they ran out of wine in a minute anyway so she said to his son whatever he tells you to do do it she knows he's going to do something she can tell that the anointing is on him to perform his first miracle amen just like she was there when he cut his first tooth when he took his first step, when he uttered his first words, she's there for his first miracle. I think that's a good way to honor a faithful mother. Amen. So his mother came to the service. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Man, don't be short on anything. This is his hour. He's going to tell you. He's going to come up here and talk to y'all and tell y'all to do something. And whatever he tells you to do, do it. So Mary is setting it up for a miracle. She has a sense that something unique and unusual is going to have to transpire if they're going to get this to get more wine into the party. Jesus said, he said, nearby stood some stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing. Now this is uh, like your... Um, you know those barrels that we keep the the um, drinks in. There's a little green. It's it's bigger than that, so it holds all the water for the household for a prolonged period of time. So we're talking about something either from 30 to 60 gallons versus whatever it was they were serving the wine out of, which is small in comparison. They have wine skins. They put them in leather skins. And they're a a size, I would guess, like a normal wine bottle. Well, those ran out. So Jesus goes and tells them to get those, and then he tells them to fill them up to the brim. And he, he said, nearby stood some six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So it's 20 to 30 gallons these things hold. Jesus said to the servants, fill them up with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. Now when they poured the water from the, the uh, big pots, the 30-gallon pots, over into the decanters or pitchers or whatever they had, they probably had like stone pitchers that were smaller size that they would serve out of. It's not clear whether the water was already wine before they poured it, whether it was wine as they poured it, or whether it was still water till they got it up. <laughs> Mary's already set them up. She said, listen, it's going to get nervous in here. If y'all don't listen to me, do what I tell you to do. And I'm telling you, whatever he tells you to do, you do it, no matter what it looks like in the natural. See, this is the way to get your miracle. Whatever it looks like in the natural, you're healed. Whatever it looks like in the natural, 
your job is secure whatever it looks like in the natural you have your property whatever it looks like in the natural you have what you say whatever it looks like in the natural you have to commit to follow through on what God tells you to do suppose they had quit when they saw it was just water and he told them go pour it out and give it to the governor of the feast but they had already committed whatever he whatever whatever that's a big word whatever because he might tell you to do some extraordinary things whatever he tells you to do do it i know i remember one time somebody i didn't even know him on facebook i think they friended me or responded to a friend of a friend of a friend of and they they sent me a message and said i don't want to embarrass you but i need a favor they asked me to pay their rent and it wasn't small rent either and i said to myself come on god why didn't she ask for a french fry huh so I was telling her, I said, well, where are you? I was hoping she didn't stay around the corner. It wasn't around the corner. She's way over in Texas somewhere. I said, nah, why can't she between here in Texas? You know how many people that is. Why can't she find somebody in Texas? Go knock on a neighbor's door or something like that. Well, anyway. So uh, she had told me, well, I said, I have to have it today by 6 o'clock. I said, oh, man. So uh, <laughs> the upshot of it, I tried to send it one way it wouldn't send. I said, see, God, I told you that wasn't you. And then the, by, <laughs> by the end of the day, she had her rent money. You understand what I'm saying? God had me to send it. I mean, like Western Union, them people was high. You ever try to send them? Saying, oh, my goodness. I'm thinking, God... I trust you. You are God. <laughs> I don't know what this is about, and I'll have to know what it's about. But here's somebody in need. It's just that simple. These are simple acts of obedience. But think if she hadn't reached out and asked for it, she'd been out on the streets. You understand what I'm saying? These are things. And and see, I can't question God why me. I shouldn't have to do this. You have peace about doing it. You do it. You go through those steps and the doors don't shut on you. The doors still open. You go to the next step and you you complete what God has for you. And be thankful that you can do something that God needs to have done for people. You got me? And I'm not a person just give money away to everybody all the time. I'm, I'm prayerful about it. But if I know God's telling me to do something, then I have to do it. And so these are acts of simple obedience. Well, it turned out to be a miracle for her because she was able to, to keep her place that she lived in. And as far as I know, still lives in, in it today. You know, we don't talk much or anything like that. But it, you know, it was just something that happened that God needed somebody to intervene for her. So we have to understand that these are simple obedience acts. And once you step into that, you can't like step out. Because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to take one step of faith and then he step into it and doubt starts to slap you all upside your head. Huh? It's stupid. You don't know if she's going to pay her rent with that. She might be a dope fiend. You understand what I'm saying? Well, if God gave me peace about it, it's not my business to take it any further than that. It's my business to complete what God's giving me to do. So we have to understand, folks, and who knows what God, how that 
accounts to your account when you obey God in very difficult things where it's going to cost you something. Huh? These things will cost you. So we have to understand that for the servants, it will cost them some embarrassment. If they go up there and that's just plain water, they could be fired or worse you got me they didn't treat servants very well in those days and here they're obeying somebody who's not their master but jesus is lord of all and something in them compels them to continue to obey jesus and verse 9 he says draw some of that verse 8 draw some of that water out and take it to the master of the banquet and they did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine he did not realize where it came from though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said everyone brings out the good wine at first well we all been there how many of y'all been sinners we used to have what you call paid bodies and if you were serving, you were stupid enough to try and serve liquor. You sold shots or something like that, pour some water in the bottle. <laughs> the real drunks could look at it. <laughs> they tell on you all the time. You know what I'm saying. But you, you put out what's not the best for everybody who comes early. is going to sit there and drink all night long. You know, you don't want to waste it on the drunks of the crowd because they pretty much will drink anything. And he said, but you have saved the best wine. He said, when everybody has well drunk, then they save the best wine for their honored guests and for the people they really want to impress. Amen. He says, you know, we, he said, this is what you've done this time. He said, everybody drinks out choice wine first. I'm sorry, I had that reversed. Everybody brings out the best wine first, and then after everybody's drunk, the cheaper stuff. You got me? And so he said, but you instead have saved the best for last. In other words, he's saying you have quality throughout your party. You don't just start skimping. And, you know, at the end of the day, and let people just like it or lump it if they don't like it anymore. He said, you put out quality from beginning to end. And that's something you're going to find about God. He puts out quality from beginning to end. He doesn't have any substandard product to give anybody as an answer to prayer. He doesn't have like half of your money and not have all of it if you have a need. He doesn't have, if you ask him for a blue car, he's not going to send you a gray one and then say, well, that's the best I can do for you. If you want a blue car, believe him for a blue car. When the blue car shows up, that's your car. Send the gray one back because that ain't your car. And so God will give you exactly what it is that you ask for. He's not substituting things because because it's cheaper because you can afford it because this because if you have the faith to receive it god will give it to you and he will give you the desires of your hearts and so god if you will be specific about what you want god will answer specifically the things that you need he really really will i remember when i got my last car my husband and i were always struggling over his money <laughs> I thought about that our money we're 50-50. Marriage is a partnership. We're 50 so I tell him all the time. But anyway, he controlled the proverbial purse strings. And I remember believing God for my car. And uh, it was, 
I think it was my birthday. I know I was working. I never take birthdays off. I don't know how people can do that. <laughs> I get a preach on my birthday. If it falls on Saturday or Sunday, I don't know. But uh, anyway, I remember coming to the, we were on Topher. And I remember coming to the meeting. And there was a car outside that looked almost exactly like the car I wanted. But it didn't have the, I think I wanted a, a tan top or something. I, I know I wanted a, you know, like a fake convertible top, the vinyl top, and a hole in the roof. I said, God, I want me a hole in my roof. And uh, it didn't have that. Almost did. And I started rejoicing on the inside. I said, uh-huh, old rascal said he wasn't going to get me that car, but it's almost here. I'm going to keep my face out, brother. Amen. <laughs> and I did. And I got it. Amen. The next couple of weeks I had my car that I wanted. Now, <laughs> now it just happened to re remember Teresa and John DeGrandy, he sold Cadillacs all the time. She was driving a car for a customer for him and she parked it out there but see that encouraged me because I feel hey if he got this close it met me at my job on my birthday Ooh, it's round the corner huh so of course my husband said oh, I don't know what you think you're right. you can get this car you can get yeah 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 people in hell could get ice water too if they had opportunity <laughs> but I ain't going there but I was butting my lip it was a sweet, sweet wife. How many chicken wings was that you wanted, honey? I'll fry them all day if you want me to. You got me? You just gone being you. Huh? And watching out of one eye. Seeing what your miracles going to show up. But see, people would say, well, what kind of car did he want? <laughs> Don't make the girl ill. What you mean, what kind of car did he want me to have? What kind of car did God want me to have? Because i got to deal with the Father in the name of Jesus. He said, ask anything according to his will and I can have it. He said, he give me the desires of my heart, not his heart. Huh? So I get the desires of my heart. If it's going to come into your garage, if it's going to get in your uh, kitchen, if it's going to get in your house, it has to be what you want. You don't have somebody else's stuff come moving into your situation. You don't want that. You want what God put on your heart that you can have for you. I still got that car, too. I refuse to give that car up. Nah, I didn't got cheap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you call yourself spending somebody else's money, you're very generous. But nah, I didn't got cheap. So Jesus had them pour that water out, and in, and it turned into wine. And the the governor of the feast reports, you have quality from beginning to end. If it's early in your party, you got quality. If it's late in the party, you got quality. That's encouraging because if you're if you're young and believing God, you get the best. If you're older and believing God, you get the best. He never diminishes the quality of anything that he gives us according to any circumstances. So <clears throat> Mary sets up the atmosphere for the miracle and she sets a standard. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, people have a lot of understandings and ideas about what this means as far as the water being turned into wine. Why couldn't they run out of cake? 
why couldn't they run out of chicken wings you know or or catfish or whatever they were serving and so it's this is symbolic this this whole interaction is symbolic the wine is there signifying the the testaments the end of the old beginning of the new water is old testament because the water washes you and it sanctifies you to a degree but wine is something you take internally so the water changing to wine signifies you had the law and the prophets and you had the curse of the law but you will have the joy of the Lord come and dwell inside of you now and the law resides in your heart and you become a different person a new creature you have a new wine skin to pour the new wine into you don't have the old wine skin anymore the stone represents us we're earthen vessels so the water that when the when we listen to the word it comes into us like water you ever have you hear a, a scripture that's familiar and you feel a lightning on the inside of you you feel the familiarity and it gives you a certain lift on the inside of you but if you meditate on that and let it settle in it becomes very very powerful in that it becomes the fruit of the spirit there's a joy that comes with it there's a power that comes with it you're like a drunken person off of the word of god because it has that effect on the inside of us that there are some some marks of the new covenant that are marked by wine joy and drunkenness oh you couldn't do this with cake running out you couldn't finish out the symbolic meaning that god would want to have you couldn't do it with running out of chicken wings because it wouldn't have the symbolic meaning that god would want it to have so what that means when jesus says fill them up with water that means that the old testament is completed they have been filled up with much as much of the water of the word as god can pour into them and now the miracle of new birth will happen that water gets turned into wine and then the baptism in the holy spirit where you're overflowing with wine and you're drunk in the spirit of god and this is how you and it's going to be that way till the end of time god is always pouring out his spirit upon all flesh where we bubble over we have abundance of all things we're we're like drunk people in the spirit we're looking for another refill on it so we go in the kitchen we pray in tongues for a while we get filled up even more with the spirit of god and so these are the things that jesus wanted to let everybody know we're coming to god's people no more old wine skins we got new wine skins to put the new wine into when they poured it out of the larger stone pots into the smaller vessels that's us from the greatest to the least it gets poured out on every individual that wants it if you will the the big water pitchers refer to the fivefold ministry gifts where the the anointing flows out of them onto the body of christ into the smaller pitchers but everybody gets filled everybody gets choice wine everybody gets god's best there's no inferior superior gifts in god if your gift is ministry if you like sitting and 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 taking care of people and that's your delight you get a lot of joy out of it you like helping people then that's a great gift as far as god he'll fill you up as as much with the holy spirit as you can and god will use you in that degree 
If your gift is prophesying, God will fill you up and give you accurate prophecies. You don't have to make anything up. And so these are the things that God wants us to know are symbolic of this first miracle that Jesus did. It was to affect the church. It's, it's symbolic of his effect on the church. So uh, 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 there's enough wine in each and every one of us to start the party all over again. You understand what I'm saying? We can start our own party in God all over again. You just realize when you go out witness to somebody and you begin to pray for them and, and the atmosphere changes where God shows up and begins that person's countenance changes. They receive Christ and they know that God is real. And so you had, that's you. You got water. You got wine now in your pitcher. And it's enough to affect the person next to you. The water only takes care of one need. It only takes care of thirst. You get wine, it puts you into another zone. You got me. I mean, it makes you, you're in party mode then. Amen. And that's what God, he wants his people in party mode. He don't like these Christians that walk around looking all depressed and lonely and sad and serious. and Oh, Lord. What I'm going through. That person that you think is going through died a long time or supposedly died when you got saved. Amen. So these stone water jars symbolize the changing from the old into the new. The Jews who knew the word had the opportunity if they had received Christ to have all of that knowledge that they'd held for all those centuries turned into wine. Amen. And they refused it. So then the church has to start out. That's how they could preach so well as new converts. You know, all, of the, all of the early church pretty much except for their Gentile converts were Jews. Like all the disciples were Jews. And so they started out. And you see how well they could preach? Peter beginning with, with uh, you know, uh, Abraham and, and the patriarchs began to expound during the book of Acts. And they told the history of Israel from day one until up into the present. Peter never did that before. But the Holy Spirit was able to put all of that knowledge together so that he could use it for God's glory. So that they are evidence that that water was definitely turned into wine. So the uh, the six stone jars were what they used to allow the church to begin or a symbolism of the church to start. We need to know God is extravagant. Amen. Those people have never seen that much wine before in their lives. They're used to seeing those little pitchers filled up and then they ran out. And now God comes in and says, I have a fountain for you to drink from that never runs dry. It's going to be here forever. So they'd never seen so much wine given out freely. The governor says it was superior to what they had previously drank. So the new covenant is superior to the old. Amen. The best was saved for last. Anybody that's been overlooked, anybody that's been, if you ever wake up one day and find out who you really are, you'll find out God can make up for all of those times when you didn't, people didn't believe you, people didn't care about you, all that kind of stuff. God makes up the difference, so he'll save the best in every situation for last. The last drink was savored and appreciated, and there was an ample amount of it. 
So God was able then to let them know that something different's coming. Jesus can do anything. He can cause a shortage. And see that to me that symbolized now look, if he was cared enough about those people to make sure they had enough wine, it's not essential. It's a wedding party. Come on, when the when the liquor's gone, the party's over for pretty pretty much more most people. But Mary wanted him to know we are not ready for this party to end yet. It's not time for this party to end. Just like when the Jews were were, uh, persecuted during World War II and God started to raise up a remnant again. God's never willing for that party to end. If he's ever made an impression on people, he wants to continue to make an impression on people. So he's never willing for the party to end in him. Um, In Luke 5... We'll see another example of simple obedience. Now that was just whatever he tells you to do, do it. Don't try to think if it's right or wrong. Don't try to think if it's sounds spiritual, holy, unholy. That's not your job. Your job is simple obedience. So in Luke chapter 5, turn there and we'll look at Peter and his miracle catch. Verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And I guess he kept backing up to make more room for the people and it got to be so many of them, he had to push out into the lake to get enough clearance and distance from them. Now imagine he didn't have a microphone, megaphone, nothing, just his voice. That in itself, I'm sure, was supernatural. But but anyway, it says that they were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge, at the water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So they were done using the boats. God doesn't take your uh, family time, your important me time your time from your job which everybody you know people worship a job in a minute and all of that he gets your free time these they weren't using those boats jesus doesn't bombard your life and try to take over he allows you to relinquish that which you are not doing using your idle time your tv time your downtime, your whatever time. He'll take whatever we want to offer him. That's just how he humbles himself to let us know that he's a good God and he's not for short and he doesn't want to short you on anything. He's not a taker, he's a giver. Now, if we're smart enough to be sowers and have enough faith to believe that God's going to give us back more than we sow, then we got it made. But every every you know so often we'll get concerned or we'll get tight in the head or something like that i don't know what it is but the enemy can keep you jammed up in thinking that it's never enough it's never it's, you know it's, i'm never going to be up i can't do everything you know we're always pressured and pushed and all that kind of stuff it's not true jesus comes into your life to extend time to make time to make time uh, more profitable uh, if you sow a little bit to him, you get a lot. The Bible says that. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's up to you what you want to sow to him. So here those boats are sitting idle. 
they're washing their nets because they, they're done fishing for the day. So this is their unused whatever they have. Jesus will take whatever you have that's not being used. Use it for his glory. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. Amen. So here Jesus is, and that was typical for teachers of the day. They taught from a sitting position. Remember Paul said he sat at the feet of Gamaliel to learn. So teachers sat in a chair, students sat on the floor, the teacher's pet got the close seat. <laughs> you know, that's where that comes from. And so, but that was typical uh, schoolroom setting. So he's there as the teacher, uh, and, and uh, he's teaching the people. So he asked Simon to push out a little bit, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out a little farther. So Jesus here is in the boat with Peter. It's the two of them. And he's telling him to row a little farther out. He's getting ready to pay him for the use of the boat. Immediately. Immediately. I said immediately. 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 Why do we think it takes God forever to do something? You know, we, we're so accustomed to seed time. We've been brainwashed. And if, first of all, the devil's going to God, tell you God's slow with anything. People come into the world believing it takes God forever to do anything. But if you look in the word and see how suddenly, immediately pops up almost every time Jesus gets involved with something. The guy didn't see right away. He touched him again. Why? He wants him to see now. He asked him now. He wants him to see now. He wants us all to have what we want now. That's not us being greedy or us being impatient. That's the spirit of God. That's expectation of good that God puts into the heart of every human being. And so he tells Peter, launch out into the deep. He said, and we'll go and catch something. And he says, go into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But I'm sure Jesus shot him a look. He didn't just change his mind by himself. See, failure, disappointment. If we let that stuff hang on us, God can give you an accurate word and you'll just argue with it and not do it. See, I'm talking about simple obedience, folks. I'm talking about just do what he says and don't argue don't fuss don't try to think it over don't try to decide if that's a good idea do i have enough money am i gonna now peter generally worked with a crew if you're gonna catch fish you go out with people if you're in high expectation you go with a crew that can haul a big net and help you pull a big catch in so you won't get stuck out there and can't get your your net 
out of the water and, and full of fish. But it's just him and Jesus. And I think this is significant. This is all you need. You just need God to speak to you what to do. And go and do it. And you'll have success at it. Don't wait because you think you're going to need more people to help you. That's not God. Don't put things off because you think it won't work because of, because of, because of. That's why we don't have. Because we have too many because ofs in in our thinking. Because we think failure. We think we're in faith, but we're in failure in our thinking many times. Because it takes God to enlighten the eyes of your understanding. It takes him to give you that idea that is going to work for you. And it's always simple obedience. So Peter is able then to launch out into the deep with himself and the master only. Simon Peter in in verse 5 starts out a little hypocritical master but he's going to argue with him. Why call him master if you're going to argue with him? Huh? It's religious. You know, that's what you find. All these people around Jesus are religious people. He's trying to help them to understand the things of the Spirit, to go deeper and get greater understanding if they shut up and listen to him, do what he tells them to do. And so we worked hard all night. Oh, we worked so hard. Ooh, my muscles were sore. you, You couldn't believe how hard we worked. All of our hard work and we got nothing and you going to send me back out here again? If I couldn't do it, Jesus, certainly you telling me to go do something. Who you think you are? Hmm? Master? <laughs> well, if I be your master, shut your mouth up and do what I tell you. We're really scared to do exactly what God tells us to do. It it cause you a heart of these. You be meeting Elizabeth, having the big one. No, it's just oh Lord, I didn't know I was gonna get all this. Oh, I jump it out your skin after the fact, kicking and screaming to obey before the fact. So here we got Peter's dying flesh. Trying to overpower the words of God. Your flesh wants to overpower God's word every single day. Your flesh wants to do what sounds reasonable, what sounds easy, what sounds no risk. Amen. It's not going to cost me anything. Well, you realize if I did this, I could lose. Yeah, but if you did it and it worked, think of what you gain. Huh? <laughs> You know, what we work on every day is really chump change compared to God and what he wants us to have many times, many times. So he says here, Master, we worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. And Jesus shoots him a look and says, oh yeah, but, 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 but. Came back to his little religious self now. But, you know, it's your word. You know what that does, though? That kind of like tries, he's trying to indict Jesus. See, you're telling me to do this. You, you, you said, you said, huh? See, you, you, you said this, so uh, I'm just doing it. Now, this is on you, Jesus. If this don't work, this on you, huh?
when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So he signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both both boats so that they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, something interesting happened to him. He didn't say, praise God, thank you, look at all them fish, glory, hallelujah, look at that big catch. That's what the pure in heart say. That's what people say when they're expecting to have something good happen for obeying God. What did Peter say? Uh huh. He came in conviction for his attitude of not believing Jesus when he told him to do it and arguing with him when he first told him to do it. When God is first things first, folks, you don't rejoice. You first you get convicted because Peter said, I was wrong. I'm sitting here arguing with this man. I was dead wrong the whole time. And he says to him, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Miracles always bring a high degree of the power of the Holy Spirit and righteousness in the atmosphere with them. People who who abide in in miracle atmospheres will tell you that's the best atmosphere to get people saved. That's the best. It's a good atmosphere for any kind of miracle, but the the spirit of repentance is very strong in those atmospheres where God controls things and brings His holy power in there. People get convicted of their sin. That's why Benny Hinn always has a huge altar call for salvation at his meetings because in a miracle-working atmosphere, there's a lot of conviction for sin, a lot of it. I've heard some people say healing is a dinner bell. Well, I just think the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do in these places. You can get people saved without a healing atmosphere. You know, you can preach Christ to them. And they, but but you, can, you can get people saved in a, in a miracle-working atmosphere as well as healed, as well as see miracles. And so Peter said, depart from me, fellow Jesus needs to go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people or you will catch men. So they pulled their boats to shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus will convince you when it's time. You know, I hear people say, I, I, I'm just wondering if I should go into full-time ministry. Well, if you're still wondering, <laughs> just stay where you are. <laughs> he'll, make it, he'll make it plain to you. There'll come a time where you see yourself making more money serving him and walking away from your natural job than you will staying in the natural job. Till you see that, don't go nowhere. I tell people, have you had this experience yet? And, and nobody wants to admit that they're not ready yet. Everybody's ready, just waiting on God to launch me. You know, well, they got launched. They look how they got launched. So they, from that day forward, they followed Jesus and never turned back again. Amen. And so that's what Jesus wants. He will convince everybody he calls what they're to do, what it's time to do, when it's time to do it. And he'll make you know that he will prosper you. Jesus says right here, I will pay you more than the world will. So you walk with me and you do what I tell you to do. And it's not to say you can't have a secular job. That These men were called to preach. 
whatever you're called to do. Obeying God in that job will get you better benefits and will get you more profit than if you just went in there trying to rely on your own skills. Like Peter said, we toiled all night. That's the life of the fishermen. They might go out and get two fish. They might go out and get a hundred. Or they might get less. And so get nothing. And so it's just the way of the fishermen. But Jesus said, if you listen to me, you won't keep running out of there coming back empty. You go out when I tell you to and come back with more than enough. And that's, that's what he wants to do for all of us. We're no different than Peter. We go out, we want to fish for God. He'll let you fish for him. But he'll pay you too. He'll pay you more than any secular job could without him. So <clears throat> when uh, Jesus, I'm sure, telling Peter what to do, Peter thought to himself, well, this guy's a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. <laughs> he can't tell me what to do. You know what I'm saying? We get that way a lot of times about things where people might, God might use a minister to counsel you uh, in certain things and you try to figure out well, do they have experience in it well, what does that have to do with the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom they have confidence to tell you what God says and they know the word so they can minister on these things we're, we're too dependent upon natural experience sometimes or natural uh, knowledge natural understanding and so Peter Jesus tells Peter by the gift of the word of knowledge where to fish he repeats that when they needed money to pay the taxes. And he says, the first fish you get will have a piece of money in its mouth. God doesn't want us wasting time. If he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you straight up. You don't have to go fishing and go through all them fish you pulled up. and all. No, just he'll make it happen the first time if you believe him. So he filled both boats. They began to sink. And he had his miracle. And so God wants us to trust him, to let things go, let your natural understanding go. I think if there's anything you could say about this situation with Peter, it was the triumph over supernatural understanding in God's word over natural understanding, your experience, what you've been through, what people did to you, what you've never had, what you what the devil stole from you. All that kind of has nothing to do with what God wants to release in your life if you will let him. We are new creatures in Christ. Things we've been through have no effect on our lives, period. The the effect they have is they will hinder you from moving into the new that God has for you. He doesn't care if you're afraid. He doesn't care if you've never done this. He doesn't care about any or he wouldn't he wouldn't be God. If he if that were to limit him, think what would happen if our past limited our present and our future in God. All he wants us to do is the simple obedience. Quit sitting around complaining and whining and doing nothing. Resisting God. He wants you to advance. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to move beyond the level where you are and where he found you. You know, we go, thank God I'm saved. That's wonderful. But God has some things for saved people he wants to do that he can't use unsaved people for. So we're going to have to learn how to get a little bit more confidence in God. 
Learn to trust the word more. Learn to step out. When God gives you something different to do, you must step out and do it. You can't just sit forever waiting on God to give you another sign, another encouragement. You might as well just say, well, God, why don't you do this yourself? I'm not doing it. You understand what I'm saying? Because we put off too many things based on our feelings, fears, past. You know, we glory sometimes in our limitations. You know, Paul said, so that it might bring the power of God. So when Paul would boast on his limitations, it was because he knew that he could accomplish it because he's trusting in the power of God. You don't just boast in your limitations or let it stay there. You know, and that's as far as you get in life. Come on now. God has so much more for us. But it takes confidence in God. It takes raw obedience. It takes the attitude of, I don't care what God tells me to do. I'm going to do it. Many people wait years on instruction from God to move to the next step. If you've got something before you that's an open door, step through the open door. See what extent. <laughs> And God will close doors that no man can open. You'll find you get squeezed. One day you'll just get squeezed and you'll have to do something. You got me? You just got to do it. And God will show you. You know what? You could have done this all the time. God doesn't treat you like that. But you'll say that to yourself. You know, God, I don't know what took me so long. Thinking this was a big deal. And people do it every day. And here I am balking at it. And upset about it. You look in the word, you see how God blessed people through simple obedience. Having the courage to know he's with you. Quit thinking about yourself so much. You know what I'm saying? Start thinking about what God, what did God say? What's he doing? What's God got for me? What's he prepared for me? That should be exciting. It shouldn't fill you with dread. You know, why would you want to stay in the same old place forever? Because God has great things ahead for us. But we've got to do simple obedience things. You just can't sit around and, and think about it forever. Ask for another sign, another confirmation. <laughs> How many fleeces you going to wring out? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on now. God's spoken. The fleece is wet. The fleece is dry. What do you want it to be? Lukewarm? Be lukewarm tomorrow. So let's get on with the getting on. And let God use us. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for everybody who believes. Great, small, (laughs) uh, least, greatest. Thank you, Lord, that you save the best for last. We are the last. We are the church. And we are the great ones through your power in the earth. And we love you for it. And we thank you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.